Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. A dark and stormy night deep in the woods of Loudoun County, Virginia, sets the stage for a prominent scientist's brutal murder. It looked like a butchered animal or something laying there on the floor. The stab wounds were unusual. It was a very bloody scene. Police uncover little evidence and fear they'll never know who is behind this vicious attack. That was part of the mystery of what is going on with this. Until the weather that evening points them in the direction of a cold-blooded killer. If it wasn't for the rain, we may not have had the big lead that broke the case. Without the weather, the killer might have gotten away with murder. December 2001, a heavy rainstorm has saturated Loudoun County, Virginia, a mostly rural area just 25 miles northwest of Washington, D.C. Loudoun County in December, I mean, it's relatively mild. Their temperatures can range from the 20s to the 40s. They get some snow, but they also get rain. And during this particular period, they were receiving a lot of rain. It was raining almost all the time. But just seems like there are periods around here where the weather moves in and just sits here. As the cold winter rain pours down and the wind howls through the trees, a couple settles in for the night. It was so dark and stormy, and the weather just seemed so angry, like Hollywood staged this whole thing. Suddenly, the couple get some unexpected visitors. One of them isn't wearing a coat. They were astonished that here's a guy soaking wet out in the rain and uh, no coat. Their vehicle had gotten stuck in the mud right down the road and they were wondering if they could use the telephone to call for a tow service. The couple isn't surprised at all. Loudon has a lot of dirt roads that turn to mud when, uh, when these rains set in, turns into just this horrific mud, which is treacherous in the bad weather. They invite the two young men in out of the weather. They really didn't notice anything unusual about the individuals other than they were not real talkative. The couple recommends a towing service and lets the strangers use their phone. They had to get going, and so they headed on out into the downpour to the rain. As they disappear into the wet night, the couple has no idea how that moment is about to be the biggest clue in a murder investigation, one that will have the people of Loudoun County talking for years to come.
Two days later, after the rain has slowly subsided, the Loudoun County Sheriff's Office gets a shocking 911 call from a man named Sam Welsh. He says he lives down the street from 57-year-old Dr. Robert Bob Schwartz. Sam says one of Bob's co-workers called him concerned about Bob and asked if he could go check on him. Dr. Schwartz failed to show up for work. He was uh, a person who was always on time, always at work. But when Sam went to his home, he noticed Bob's car in the driveway and the front door locked. That's when he went around back and found a disturbing scene. He saw Dr. Schwartz sprawled on the floor. Sam tells the dispatcher that Bob's lifeless body is laying in a huge pool of blood covered in stab wounds. He was just butchered. Born in May 1944, Robert Michael Schwartz quickly showed immense talent in the science fields. He grew up in uh, Maryland, and his father was a uh, engineer on the railroad. After high school, Bob graduated cum laude from Catholic University in Washington, D.C., and then received a doctorate in biophysics from Stanford University in California. Bob, a uh, unique individual. For example, I, you know, you go to a meeting and Bob would be the one without a tie, a uh, more relaxed kind of individual. While there, Bob met his match in a free-spirited woman named Joan Radius. Joan was from Virginia. They were kind of kindred spirits, I'd say, you know, kind of unique in their thinking. Uh, probably uh, tended to be more on the liberal side. After they finished their education, the two married and decided to head back east to their roots. They moved into an old farmhouse on 20 acres in rural Loudoun County, Virginia, owned by Joan's family. Loudoun County has all four seasons. It is a beautiful place to live. You get a little bit of snow in the winter, you get those warmer summers, and then of course, the beautiful fall leaves. The farmhouse was up on a hill, hidden in a thick wooded neighborhood called Mount Gilead. It was really isolated and went up for maybe a quarter of a mile. Loudoun County has a lot of dirt roads. That's kind of the nature of the county. Like to keep things as royal as possible. There, Bob and Joan raised three children, a boy, Jesse, in 1977, and two girls, Michelle in 1980, and then Clara two years later. Bob was known in the neighborhood as a quiet man, but in the scientific community, he was nationally renowned in the field of biometrics and DNA research. We were on the board of directors that started the Virginia Biotechnology Association. But outside of his professional life, Bob's children and family were his major focus. He planned for his kids to have the best education he could buy. Then in 1993, his family suffered a terrible loss. Joan developed the lung cancer, uh, and it progressed fairly rapidly. After a four-year battle, Joan passed away when their youngest, Clara, was just 14 years old. I remember he, he was saying that the younger daughter, Clara, was very attached to her mom and being the baby. When her mom died, she was very devastated by this death. Uh, it was very difficult for the entire family. And when his two oldest children went off to college, 
Bob found himself raising Clara all alone. Had to be tough on Bob, especially when you're raising a teenager. But he was proud when at 18 years old, his youngest was accepted into the same college as her big sister. Both Clara and Michelle attended James Madison University. He was glad to get all three into college and uh, I think they did very well as students. Bob was a wonderful and respected man with a loving family and friends that admired him. Who would want to stab him to death in his own home? They were just baffled at what, what's going on. As investigators gear up for a difficult investigation, will the rainy Virginia weather give them what they need to catch a killer? In a murder case, the weather can work for the detectives or against them. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. In Loudoun County, Virginia, after a heavy rainstorm, police make their way to a small neighborhood where scientist Dr. Robert Schwartz has been found brutally slain in his home. The rain had left puddles and mucky roads, and though it was starting to clear, it was still cold and dreary. Loudoun County authorities arrive, but struggle to get to the Schwartz's farmhouse. There are 
gravel roads, some dirt roads. There were rough spots, especially if you got off the roadway. After that rain, it was very muddy. The rain two days before had turned all the roads surrounding the Schwartz's farm almost impassable without four-wheel drive. With parts of Loudoun County soil made up of clay, the mud is especially bad. Mud can form with a mixture of all sorts of particles that are in the soil of different sizes, and the smallest of those are the clay particles. The more clay particles you have within the soil, the more moisture it can contain and the stickier the substance can be and slicker the mud. Fortunately, I had a vehicle that had four-wheel drive. I thought if I didn't have this truck, I probably would not be able to get to the scene. Once investigators arrive, they search outside the home for clues. But if any solid evidence had existed, the rain most likely destroyed it. Weather obviously plays a role. You can only speculate as to whether or not the rain washed away evidence of the crime scene. Evidence itself at a crime scene is a fluid subject. It can be destroyed. It can be enhanced. It happens all the time. Inside the farmhouse, detectives examine Dr. Schwartz's body as the crime scene unit and coroner arrive. The scene was obviously a homicide. Dr. Schwartz received over 30 stab wounds, defensive wounds to his body that appeared to have been created with a sharp-edged object. I remember he had some horrific scars on his hand, like perhaps he had tried to grab whatever knife it was and it had been pulled out of his hand. The coroner estimates the time of death at about 48 hours, sometime on December 8th. She finds a total of 42 slash and stab wounds with about half of them inflicted into Dr. Schwartz's back after he was already dead on his kitchen floor. She also determines the stab wounds were caused by a very sharp, long blade, possibly a sword. However, no such weapon is found. There were marks that we could see where they had been stabbed all the way through his body. Some of the through and through wounds actually penetrated the floor. The crime scene unit gathers any evidence they can, but nothing stands out that might lead to the killer. They attempted to collect any fingerprints or latent prints, but there weren't any foreign prints developed or anything of that nature. Detectives walk through the home and notice some furniture overturned as if there had been a struggle. But investigators find it hard to believe that this was some kind of burglary gone bad. I didn't see any indication of any forced entry. So it appeared that whoever was there was not somebody that actually broke into the house. And nothing appears to be missing. The computer was still there, but it wasn't bothered. It wasn't even taken. The location of the house also proves that this was not a random crime. Home invasions happen in plenty of places, but this is a house that was way out in the boonies. Nobody is going to be passing through this area. It's a destination that you go to specifically and intentionally. The amount of violence inflicted on the doctor shows an intense hatred for the man or a deranged killer with a thirst for blood. The individual was uh, 
showing some type of rage. This appeared to be something personal. They had to take that into account, and which of his friends at work or in the community or anything would have had a big enough uh, issue with him that they would have done something like this. Police speak with his coworker and the neighbor who found his body and quickly learn that Bob was extremely well-liked. Robert didn't seem to have even any ongoing arguments with anybody or any lawsuits or anything. And so that was part of the mystery of what is going on. With the crime scene now processed and few clues to go by, that evening, one of the lead investigators, Detective Greg Locke, decides to speak with Dr. Schwartz's neighbors. I began talking to them and asking them if they were aware of any suspicious activity in the area. That's when he learned something astonishing. They say on December 8th, just after 7.30 p.m., something strange happened during the rainstorm that night. The rain had started that morning, but it was heaviest around 3 p.m., and there was almost an inch of rain. It was also chilly. Temperatures, they were around 43 degrees, and there was a strong northwest wind. They said that on this dark and stormy, rainy night, two people came to their door. They parked at the base. It's probably 50 yards or so beyond the fork in the road, and that's where they attempted to turn around. Because of the rain that day, the dirt roads were extremely muddy. One of them said that their car had gotten stuck in the mud. Once you get a car moving through mud, you can lose all sorts of frictional contact with your surface. The wheels can spin wildly within the mud and lose traction instead of gaining it, and that's probably what happened here. The couple says as he stood in the rain, one of the young men asked if they could use their phone to call a tow truck. They noticed that one of them did have a coat on. And the temperature, which was, was cold, it wasn't freezing, but it was very cold. The couple says the two men seemed polite, so they let them use their phone to call a tow truck service. Then they left. Investigators know this is too coincidental. With the weather doing what it was doing, nobody is out in a night like that, in a dirt mud road that leads really to nowhere. After the couple gives a brief description of the two men, police head to the towing company to see what they can find out about the car and its occupants. Could these men have had something to do with Dr. Schwartz's murder? We knew that the hunt was on. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery Starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. 
So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. In Loudoun County, Virginia, police investigating the murder of Dr. Robert Schwartz, a well-known biophysicist, have discovered that two unknown men were seen on the night of the murder by his neighbors. There was this bad weather, they got stuck in the mud, and they actually had to call a tow truck to come get them out. Police determined which tow truck company it was, and then they went to talk to them. Meanwhile, investigators need to inform Dr. Schwartz's next of kin about his death. Detective Greg Locke learns that Bob's son Jesse is attending college in North Carolina, but his two daughters, Michelle and Clara, are both attending James Madison University, only two hours away. We went to James Madison University to deliver the death notification to both Clara and Michelle. Clara was the first person that we found once we arrived at the university. Detective Locke gently explains to the 19-year-old that her father has been murdered, and the teenager's reaction is unusual. Rather than saying what happened, her emotions were very few. Uh, she was almost emotionless, and her response was, how? But people react to the death of loved ones very differently. Not everybody sobs. Some people are angry, some people are quiet and reserved. People grieve differently. We later took Clara to Michelle's residence and delivered the death notification to Michelle. Michelle is immediately devastated and breaks down crying. After losing their mother to cancer just five years earlier, she can't believe they've now lost their father in such a horrific way. After leaving the university, Detective Locke arrives at the tow truck company in a neighboring county. I was able to talk to the proprietor about who had towed the vehicle. I uh, was able to identify the record driver. When they meet, the driver takes out his paperwork from the night he pulled the car out of the mud. I was able to get the tag number on the vehicle that was towed. And once we were able to get that information, we followed that back. Investigators discover the car belongs to a 21-year-old named Michael Foe. But the driver says that there were two other people in the car with him that night, 18-year-old Kyle Holbert 
and Michael's girlfriend, 19-year-old Katie Inglis. The tow truck driver has to get their driver's license. You know, it's part of their paperwork requirement. Got uh, Michael Foles' driver's license, name, address, you know, the whole nine yards. When asked where the vehicle was stuck, the driver shows Detective Locke exactly where he pulled the car out. There was an area where we could see where it was, and, and the tow truck driver um, actually told us where it was at in relation to the lanes. Investigators are now grateful for all that rain. The weather obviously played a role in that car getting stuck in the mud. There was a lead that was given that otherwise might not have been there, and that is the intervention of the tow truck. So having gotten the information from the record, they now had Michael Foles' car information. They put out an APB on that car. The next day, authorities spot Michael Foles' car on the road in a nearby county, with Michael and his girlfriend Katie inside. At that point, we took them back to Prince William County Police Department where we interviewed them. And what they tell investigators is shocking. It seemed like a pretty wild story. He said he saw the weather as an omen. Uh, he knew that's when they were doomed. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. 
Loudoun County investigators have found 21-year-old Michael Fall and his 19-year-old girlfriend Katie Inglis in nearby Prince William County. They have yet to find 18-year-old Kyle Holbert. So in this particular case, you had the bad weather that led them to getting stuck in the mud, which required them to knock on a neighbor's door and call a tow truck driver. While officers bring Michael and Katie to the Prince William County Police Department, they impound Michael's car, which is still covered in mud from that rainy night. There was a lot of mud on it, as I recall, and the tires itself. I could tell that it was stuck fairly deeply into the mud. If you had a lot of soil moisture already accumulated and you added even just up to a half an inch of rain, in 12 hours, that could add a really muddy mix to an otherwise less muddy scenario. Meanwhile, investigators get a search warrant to search Michael's address, which is his parents' home. And in the basement, where Michael and Katie both live, they believe they've found their murder weapon, a razor-sharp samurai sword. The sword was over three feet long, which was hidden in a closet. And it looks like it was just cleaned. There was still moisture on the sword, like a cleaning agent or water. They collected for DNA testing, hoping there's still some shred of physical evidence left on it. At the police station, police questioned Michael and Katie. Investigators asked the couple about the night Dr. Schwartz was murdered, and they are surprisingly forthcoming. They were almost unaware of how much trouble that they were really in. Michael and Katie both admit they gave their friend Kyle Hulbert a ride to Dr. Schwartz's house on Saturday night, since he didn't have a car. Katie Inglis describes that she was sort of along for the ride. Michael Fole drove the car. Katie Inglis was riding up front with Kyle in the back seat. Holbert was wearing a trench coat, and he had a long sword. Michael says that Kyle told him he had a job to do. And that he understood job to be an assassination. Um, Michael Fole wasn't positive that Kyle was planning to kill Robert Schwartz. But he also indicates that deep down, he knew that's exactly what was happening. They parked approximately a quarter of a mile from the residence at the bottom of the hill. They dropped Kyle off. Michael Fole's job was to get the vehicle turned around and get ready to go. But that road was just, just mud, just mud. Michael and Katie managed to get it pretty well stuck. As the wheels spun, gaining no traction, Michael knew they weren't getting away. Michael Fole refers to getting stuck in the mud as the omen. He said he knew from the moment they got stuck in the mud that this was a, a doomed operation. When Kyle returned 30 minutes later, they say he looked crazed. They noticed that the sword uh, appeared to have had blood on it. And they put the sword in the trunk Kyle had gotten blood on his coat, 
and put it in the trunk of the car, the bloody jacket. Then Kyle said the job was done. But now the three had no way to get home. Michael said the rain had continued to come down. Weather was lousy. The car was a jam stuck. So they went to a neighbor's house and asked for help. After the vehicle was towed, they drove Kyle Holbert back to his residence in Maryland. Before they split, Michael says that Kyle gave him his sword to clean and conceal. Police asked the young couple how they even knew Dr. Schwartz. And Katie says that they are all friends with his 19-year-old daughter, Clara Schwartz. When asked why Kyle would want to kill Clara's father, Michael and Katie both say that he was trying to protect her. Clara Schwartz told people that her father was trying to poison her and that convinced her friends that Robert Schwartz was a bad man. Katie Inglis knew Clara Schwartz from school, high school. Katie says after Clara's mother died, the young girl changed drastically. Katie Inglis noticed a difference in Clara. She had become more withdrawn. It was very difficult for her moving forward. Clara was alone at home with Robert, who worked a lot, and basically she was isolated. She had turned to goth, and she wore dark clothing, black clothing. She was into knives, into swords, and she was into self-mutilation, where she was cutting herself. Clara and her dad fought a lot. Clara was goth, and Robert was anything but. His two older children were anything but. When Clara went off to college, it only made things worse. Her father expected her to get good grades, and unfortunately, they butted heads a lot. Katie and Michael say that's when they all started playing a role-playing game called Underworld. Underworld was a game that Clara Schwartz created. And in the game, Clara Schwartz was Lord Chaos. She was one of the most powerful figures in the game. You could relate it to maybe Dungeons and Dragons, something where they had words and terms for different things. This was a world that was chock full of villains and all kinds of battles. Everyone had their own character and their job was to protect Lord Chaos. Clara even made her father a character in the game. And he was a villain in the game. And like most villains, he had to be destroyed to protect Clara's character. With all of these kids, Michael, Katie, Clara, Kyle, they were in a sort of a fantasy world. But in the real world, Clara's grades continued to decline, and her dad threatened to not pay for another semester. Despite his warning, Clara didn't stop her role-playing game or recruiting players. Katie says that Clara brought in another student named Patrick House. Patrick House was an individual that Clara had dated in late summer of 2001 and early fall. 
but the relationship only lasted a few months. They probably stopped seeing each other around the time that she met Kyle Hurlbert. Police want to know all about Kyle Hurlbert. He fashioned himself as a warrior. The twists and turns uh, related to Kyle just never seemed to end. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Loudoun County Police are in nearby Prince William County, looking for their number one suspect, Kyle Holbert, and questioning his accomplices, Michael Foe and Katie Inglis. All three are role-playing friends of the victim's 19-year-old daughter, Clara Schwartz. It seemed like a pretty wild story, but when you take the pieces of the puzzle and put them together, it also added up. Katie and Michael tell investigators all they know about Kyle Holbert. They say that they met the 18-year-old three months earlier at the Maryland Renaissance Fair. They wore these outfits. The ladies were damsels and the men were warriors and they had their costumes and swords. Kyle carried the sword everywhere he went. Kyle also put on this exterior to Katie and Michael and, and Clara that he was criminally insane. And Kyle did suffer from a very real mental illness. Kyle was classified as a paranoid schizophrenic. He had multiple personality disorders. He had spent significant time in mental hospitals. From age six to 18, he bounced between mental institutes and foster homes. Then, just three months before the murder, Kyle was on his own. Once you get to be 18 years old, the system could no longer take care of him. 
Michael and Katie say that Kyle found himself with few friends and no job. He became more involved in his own fantasy world. He bought into it entirely. He totally believed it. The couple says that Kyle eagerly joined Clara's role-playing game. Kyle and Clara bonded pretty quickly, and he was going to be Clara's protector. After hours of interrogation, Michael gives up the address where Kyle has been staying in Maryland. With nothing to corroborate their confessions, police decide to release Michael and Katie. We did not believe that they were a threat to anyone. The following day, investigators go to the address and bring Kyle in for questioning. Once they get him back to the police station, astonishingly, Kyle doesn't deny killing Dr. Schwartz. Kyle was a bit defiant. He felt, in some respects, justified for what he did. Kyle says that for months, Clara claimed her father was physically and verbally abusing her and trying to poison her. So he asked Michael and Katie to drive him to the Schwartz residence that stormy night. Kyle Holbert had met Robert Schwartz previously. Robert Schwartz let him in. It was a familiar face. Kyle was at the scene to confront Mr. Schwartz with what it was that he was told by Clara. Kyle starts to ask these sort of weird personal questions about how is your relationship with your daughter? And Robert Schwartz tells Kyle Holbert, that's none of your business. And Kyle didn't like that answer. Kyle had looked at himself as the protector of Clara and that he would go to any length to protect her from her dad. He says, I won't let you hurt her. And as Holbert describes it, the first blow comes from Robert Schwartz. That's what precipitates it. Kyle says he pulled out his sword and started attacking the doctor, repeatedly stabbing and slashing at him, even after he fell to the ground. Police asked Kyle why he continued to stab Dr. Schwartz after he fell to the ground. Kyle got a taste of Robert Schwartz's blood in his mouth, and that drives him into a frenzy. And he says he doesn't remember much of what happens after that. Kyle also admits that he called Clara that night and told her the job was done. One of the concerns I had was that this information was passed on to Clara prior to us delivering the death notification to Clara. Which might explain why her reaction seemed odd to detectives. She already knew Kyle killed her father. Everything was starting to really come together. And when forensic results finally come back from the sword confiscated from Michael's room, it proves police have their murder weapon. They were able to identify DNA, which was associated back to Dr. Schwartz. It's enough to charge Kyle with first-degree murder. They also pick up Michael and Katie on murder charges as well. But how much did Clara really know? One week after her three friends confess, 
detectives serve a search warrant on Clara's dorm room. We seized her computer as well as her journal and other documents. Investigators bring her to the police station for questioning. But even when faced with her friend's confessions, she denies knowing what Kyle was up to. I didn't believe that he was going to do that. I didn't want him to go Although she does admit that she told Kyle about the abuse from her father, detectives haven't found a shred of proof. They sometimes had arguments, but as far as going to the level of being abusive, there was no evidence ever found to substantiate that. She says when Kyle started talking about killing her father, she never took him seriously. I just was like, oh, I can't wait, whatever. Clara doesn't deny that Kyle called her and told her it was done, but she still thought he was just talking crazy. With no solid evidence, police must let the teenager go. Because she wasn't, in fact, on the scene, and the detectives knew that she was down in college, 100-plus miles away that night. They had to get a strong case built. Did Clara put Kyle up to murdering her father? Or did a deranged and disturbed young man misunderstand her complaints of abuse as a license to kill? You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Thanks to a dark and stormy night, the weather has been an incredible ally in a murder investigation that might have gone unsolved. 90% of the people that commit a crime think they're going to get away with it, but they didn't. They got in the car, and they tried to get away, and they got stuck. Now detectives want to know how much Clara Schwartz really knew about the murder of her father. They examine her computer thoroughly and find IM messages between her and Kyle that prove the teenager is not as innocent as she pretends to be. Those messages indicated her problems with her father, uh, her desire to have him killed. This fit with what into Kyle's world. Kyle sees right, wrong, bear maidens, dragons that need slain. Kyle made a statement to her about, wouldn't you be upset if I killed your father? And she said, no. To add another nail in her coffin, police locate her former boyfriend, Patrick House, who says that she had even tried to solicit him to kill her father. 
Clara approached him initially to take care of her father for her. And then finally, he's like, I'm, I'm out of here. But something else Patrick mentions is possibly Clara's real motive behind wanting her father dead, $400,000. Clara Schwartz was worried about her inheritance. With this new information, two months after the murder, on February 2nd, 2002, police arrest Clara Schwartz for the murder of her father. She was charged with first-degree murder, uh, solicitation to commit murder, and the conspiracy to commit murder. As prosecutors prepare for multiple trials, Michael, Kyle, and Clara plead not guilty at their preliminary hearings. Katie Inglis makes a deal with prosecutors and pleads guilty to conspiracy to commit murder and agrees to testify at their trials. She got a sentence of one year because there really was not a lot of evidence as to her involvement other than as a tagalong. On October 7th, 2002, Clara Schwartz is first to go to trial. Prosecutors argue that Clara had hated her father for a long time and was afraid she'd lose her inheritance. She believed if she did not keep her grades up, she may not inherit money from her father. So she used false allegations of abuse to garner sympathy from her friends. Then she used her role-playing game, Underworld, to manipulate them even more. Clara was using this game to sort of groom people to try and commit this killing on her behalf, to transition people from the fantasy game to the real world. And Kyle was the perfect patsy. He even called himself an assassin. Kyle was simply as much a tool for her as a gun in the hand of a murderer is a tool for that person. But Clara's defense argues that Kyle had taken Clara's words out of context. She tried to say, we were just playing a game, and I didn't know that he was going to take it to that extreme. But after an overwhelming amount of evidence, her defense falls short. On October 16, 2002, Clara Schwartz is convicted on all counts. The jury recommended a 48-year prison sentence for Clara Schwartz. Although Kyle clearly suffered from mental illness, he is unable to use it as a defense. Kyle was not certifiably insane to the point where he didn't know right from wrong. In March 2002, Kyle Hulbert pleads guilty to first-degree murder and receives life in prison. Michael Fole pleads guilty to second-degree murder and receives 18 years. Dr. Robert Schwartz finally receives justice, but it's still a difficult case to comprehend. I just can't imagine how a child could have their parent killed in such a brutal manner. But the case may not have been solved at all if it wasn't for a simple rainstorm. Usually when it's rainy, we're losing evidence. In this particular case, if it wasn't for the rain, we may not have had the big lead that broke the case. <laughs> 